do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for his relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus, they bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially to those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove before everyone, so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and to do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious 
cannot remain hidden forever. Good morning. What a passage. It's just poor getting downright practical. It's awesome. Um, I'm Langdon, uh, and uh, welcome to you. Welcome to you at home, uh, and it's so good to be here. We're going to have a look at this passage. Can we pray together in the same room together? Let's do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word uh, written by Paul to, to young Timothy Lord, and I pray that these words written uh, a millennia or two ago would speak to us here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The other day, I got to go out to a restaurant. Has anyone done this? To a cafe or like, and, and you sit and eat and then there's people there. And you're like, other people, yay. Um, it's a beautiful thing, we're back. And uh, for those at home, we are having a, it's just awesome to be in a, in a room. We've got masks on, but we're just loving it. And um, at the eight o'clockers, had a great time of cup of tea together uh, after the service to see each other again or this half of each other. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So we can do all these things together. I even went to a movie, holy moly. And you know, the other thing you can do, you can visit somebody's home again. Now, when you visit someone's home, is anyone like me, you go to someone's home and you become, sometimes I get a little voyeuristic, I'm like, what is that home like? What does it be to be there? And some homes you walk in, you ever been to someone's home? And you're like, I could live here. This is nice. You know, this is good. And you go, you know, I see that, you know, and you check out the fridge and the cupboard. You know, like, oh, that's some nice, yeah, you're laughing because you've done it. Oh, look at that. There's a nice spice rack. Look what they've got in their car. Oh, I should buy some of those. You know, ooh, look at the, you know, or the bookshelf. You know, it's like you're in your bookshop, you know. Oh, look at this. I could borrow that and that and that and that. And that. You know, it's really good. Or you go into the bathroom, you're like, where's the soap? I don't know. I would put it there, but these people put it somewhere else. You know, where's the hand towel? And, you know, um, do I take my shoes off? Sometimes, sometimes people's homes are different to yours. You go, why isn't their home normal like mine? You know, what is normal? Um, different homes, different households have different traditions. Uh, I've got some friends. Monday night is murder night. I'm like, what? Monday night is we have dinner and then we watch a crime show together. But that's their family. That's their tradition. Um, and sometimes when you visit someone's home, you go, oh, you know, that just makes me want to come back. You know, sometimes you don't. Uh, I remember as a young, uh, younger kid, I visited a friend's house and had this most beautiful husky dog, beautiful piercing blue eyes, you know. But this dog, if you made any sudden movements, would attack. So you're constantly, they're like, so when you come in, you're like, hey. But then as soon as I, they tell me this, I'm like, you know, you just, you know. And I did make a sudden move accidentally and the dog, Rrr! It made me not want to go visit there again. Um, sometimes we, we, we visit homes and we're like, that's awesome. You know, we see these traditions and we go, that's awesome. You come away going, I'd like, to I'd like that. That'd be nice. You know, oh, it's a really beautiful thing. And you have these nice experiences. I hope that when people come to visit God's household, here at Fig Tree, any church, that people go, you know what, that's a bit different. I don't know where they put the soap, I don't know what, the, but I, I enjoyed it, I loved it. There was something different and I liked it. 
and I wanna be a part of it. And that's what our household is meant to be. And we've been going through this series on 1 Timothy 5. The verse we've been basing this around from 1 Timothy 3.14, Paul writes to Timothy, I'm writing to you these instructions, verse 15, that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. The living God dwells in his church, the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church God has designed is to be uh, 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 the foundation to hold up the truth of God, to be uh, a witness to the world. I'm sure Paul would have known the columns in Roman and Greek architecture. Could he have imagined today that many of those columns in some of those ancient sites are still standing? What a great picture for us to go, this is the church, it's still standing, it holds it up. And how we relate to each other as a household is part of the witness of that truth, the expression of that, the truth. And how we relate to each other should speak, and it should be a positive thing. Uh, Olive Tree Media McCrindle did a survey recently, and talking about to what extent uh, would the following attract or repel you from investigating Christian faith further. Uh, 64%, the top two echelons, some people would say would strongly attract or somewhat attract them to the Christian faith, no surprises, is seeing firsthand people who live out a genuine faith. Our household is the place we get to foster that, and it's our household that people come, be a part of, and hopefully go, they're different, but that's awesome. I like it. I want to be a part of that. That's what we're all about. So we're going through 1 Timothy 5. We're checking out. Uh, there's this massive chapter. There's so much gold there. there is, it's Conviction City when you read this. There's so much. We're not going to get to all of it today. I want to talk about our church members. I want to talk about widows. Uh, thinking about those who are widows uh, in our congregation from these passages. But first we're going to have a look at verse 1 and 2. Paul says this. He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he was your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Paul's going to say when it comes to being in the household together, he's using this family language, isn't he? He's saying when we come to be in a household together, treat each other like family. Now, family for some of us, is a really positive thing. For others, it's broken, it's dysfunctional. Uh, but I think what Paul is saying to Timothy here is the best of family. Church is a place to, to be a real family for each other, to learn from each other, to invest in each other, to grow in each other. It's what family could be. So he starts off, he says, to Timothy. Timothy's 30s. Uh, Paul, maybe his like, early 60s, mid-60s. He says to him, this old man to this younger pastor, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he was your father. He's talking about older as in age. And there's an assumption that Timothy, as this young pastor, is going to have to rebuke some older men. I don't know if Paul's meaning specifically something he has in mind, but in general, that's going to be part of the pastoral ministry. You as a young guy, you're going to have to speak into the older men and rebuke them. But when you do it, don't do it harshly. Encourage them. Um, 
maybe it's the false teachers that Timothy's going to have to talk to. But he's saying, don't go smash them and scold them. Do it as if they were your own dad. Treat the older men like your own father. What a great way to relate. If you have to rebuke them, do it from a place of humility. Encourage them as if they were your dad. You know, um, sometimes if you see, you know, younger men uh, totally uh, rebuking and getting into older men, there's something disheartening about it. You know, there's something, uh, respect. And I think what Paul is saying in God's household is respect those, have some respect to those who are older. You know, it doesn't mean don't rebuke them. Doesn't mean, you know, not speaking into things, but do it as if they were your dad. He also says to Timothy, treat younger men as your brothers. You know, Timothy, you've become the leader of the church, but that doesn't mean you get to lord it over them now. This is not a, you're not a CEO, this is not a business. This is saying, Timothy, your job is to lead, is to serve, but these are your brothers. You're on the journey together, Treat the younger men in your congregation like your own brother. Love, care for them, take care of them. Go above and beyond. You know, have fun with them, relate to them as you would a younger brother, um, but serve them. He says, treat your older women as mothers. Treat your older women in the church as if they were your own mum. If you wouldn't say it to your own mum, uh, you know, don't say it. Respect them. Listen to them. Know them. Spend time knowing them. Make sure they're looked after. You know, we are blessed by a congregation with lots of fathers and mothers and younger brothers and younger sisters. Look out for each other. And finally, he says to the younger women, treat them as sisters. Treat them with absolute purity. These are your younger women. Treat them as you would your sisters, your little sisters. They're not second-class members of the church like culture at that time would have presented younger women as. They're part of the church. Respect them, protect them, look out for them. And Paul, who's very experienced pastorally, is careful to Tim, and he adds in that extra with absolute purity because he knows for Timothy, as a church leader, you've got to go above and beyond to be absolutely pure. He knows that if Timothy's a single guy, you know, he's doing pastoral things, things can be misinterpreted. And if something goes wrong, it has a devastating effect on the community. And we've seen it in the history of our own churches. We see it when we see Christians where those relationships have gone too far. Here's an encouragement from Paul to the younger. Make sure you take care of your younger sisters with absolute purity. What do I notice in these verses? Paul is saying, look out for each other as a family. Because as a family, as a church family, we're united not by the things that we do, but actually by the work of Christ within us. That's what makes us family. And as a family, there's so many differences amongst us. They're all beautiful. We look, some of us look different. Some of us annoy each other from time to time. Um, You know, some of us, we're passionate about different things, but we're family. We go on the journey together. A family invests in each other. A family knows each other's names. A family um, goes above and beyond for each other. That's what Paul was talking about. And what a great reminder for us as we come back together, meeting again. We come back as family. 
What we do as family is up to us. Paul then goes on and says, I want to talk to you about the widows. And as we talk about widows this morning, you might be thinking, widows, I'm not a widow. I mean, to think about it, we have, I know of at least 26 widows, at least six widowers in our congregation. Many of us know people who are widows. Many of us have them in our family. Many of us may be or may become a widow. And God loves the widows. In the Old Testament, uh, God is the God who is the defender of the fatherless and the widow. I love that passage in, uh, in John when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he looks down to his mum. And then he looks to John the disciple, whom he loved, and he says, Woman, here is your son. He says to John, here is your mother. And from that time on, John takes care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Even on the cross, Jesus is concerned about looking after his mum. God loves the widows. And it's something for us to consider uh, for us. Now, widows at that time, financially, uh, there was no superannuation. Many widows, uh, many, widow, many men uh, were considered old by their 40s. Um, and so most widows were women. There was no superannuation or anything like that then. So they had a, a dowry system. And what would happen is uh, when there was a marriage, um, typically the, uh, the bride's uh, family, um, sorry, the husband's family would give, uh, was given by the bride's family to the husband, and it was things like finance, land, livestock, valuable items, for the maintenance of the wife. So if the wife dies in the event of the husband's death, uh, the laws governing the dowry were defined, uh, a widow uh, was cared for by the person in charge of of the the family. So if a woman dies, the son would take care of the dowry. Uh, If if she doesn't have a son or something like that, uh, the dowry could go back to the husband's home. This dowry system was meant to go along. Uh, Or uh, if she wanted to go back to her own family, she'd have to return the dowry. Now there were cracks in that, that was the system, but there were cracks. There were widows who weren't looked after. Paul would say to Timothy, there are widows in the church, we've got to make sure that's looked after. He says in verse three, give proper recognition to the widows who are really in need. Take care of the widows. But Paul is also partially wise enough to know, you can't take care of, Timothy, you can't take care of all the widows. Uh, as a church, there are things that we present to you as a church. We're going to have gift day coming up, for instance, where we're going to present, here are the needs the church is uh, going to take care of as a, as a body, as an organisation. But we're all members of the church. You know, we can take, we see needs around, you know, with each other. We take care of them. Paul saying to Timothy, where are the areas that we as a church, uh, the organisation as a church, are going to look after? And he says, we want to take care of uh, the women, but we can't help them all. So he gives two criteria for the women that the church is going to support. Uh, Firstly, uh, one of the criteria is that she doesn't already have family support. Verse 4, if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. 
Then he gets a little harsh, a little serious. He says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If a widow has family, they should be looking after her. If they don't, that's worse than being, and they're in the church, that's worse than being an unbeliever. In the culture, it was the families that took care of the widows. So Paul's, Paul's saying to Timothy, if, if that's normal in culture at that time, and even the Christians aren't doing it, how are we, that's shocking, how are, we, how are we reflecting our Christ at work in us? Timothy, you might have to have a go have a chat with those families and say, listen, you need to take care of this. Um, and I'm sure, as it would be today, they are complicated conversations. I'm not saying this is a black, oh, I'm not? Oh, we're not looking after our family? Oh, of course we will. I'm sure the conversations didn't go like that. I'm sure they were complex. But this is the instruction. Families should be taking responsibility uh, for those widows. Uh, and this is an encouragement to me. This is not a conversation I've had. Hello, Mum and Dad, if you're watching. Um, but... You know, as, as they get older, uh, these are the conversations. What does it mean for us? What does this mean for us? So he wouldn't, the family should be taken care. But the other criteria was her spiritual posture of the widow, her spiritual position. The widow, verse 5, who is really in need and left all alone, puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray, oh, God's calling, and ask God for help. Do you know, I, I love the picture of Anna in Luke chapter 2. You might know Anna. She is waiting for the Lord. Anna's described in, in verse 36. She's old. She's lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Here's a widow who's faithful to the Lord uh, in her widowhood. And Paul is saying, these are, the sorts of peop- these are the sorts of widows that the church should be supporting. Those who are faithful, those who are trusting in the Lord. Contrasting those who are, who are living to, for pleasure. He's encouraging um, Timothy to be a good steward of the limited resources that they have. And this is part of Timothy's role as a young pastor, uh, to journey all this. Uh, to figure out these organisational things, to lead well. So therefore, if she doesn't have a family who can take care of her, if she's genuinely seeking the Lord, let's give her that support. But then he goes on to talk about this thing called the widow's list. He says, verse 9, No widow may be put on the list unless she's over 60, has been faithful to her husband, is well known for good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, helping those in trouble, devoting her to all kinds, herself to all kinds of good deeds. This widow's list, it was an, actually an official office in the church. And it wasn't for every widow. But what would happen is the widows would be selected and they'd actually make a pledge to the community. Uh, they would make a commitment to the church for them to serve, to serve in prayer, to serve in some other way in the church. And to do that, they would receive some sort of stipend, maybe similar even to some of our interns in some sort of way, enough money to live on so they could serve the church and be taken care of. Uh, maybe they all live together in a compound or something like that. But he's giving in specific instructions in this section how to select and, and make sure those widows are taken care of. So they have to be a real widow. They have to be over 60 years old. Now back then, that was old. 
Now, not so much. Um, but he had to say, look, here's the line in the sand because this is a specific order for the qualifications of those on the widow's list. They've got to demonstrate a history of godliness um, and a history of serving. Paul's setting a high standard because he wants those who are, the church is going to support to come on in that way to be dedicated. Uh, because he knows that if there's younger women on the list and they make a pledge, a commitment to be on that, and if they want to break their pledge and commitment, then that takes away from the whole system. That actually breaks, you know, their commitment can reflect on uh, breaking their commitment to Christ. So Paul is speaking to the idea, those younger widows can still go and remarry, and he encourages them to do so. Um, he doesn't want them to break that pledge. He encourages them to actually go and remarry. Now, it does sound a bit harsh when you first read some of those verses, talking about busy bodies and stuff like that. Um, he's also keeping in mind, he's been talking about the false teachers and stuff like that, and he wants uh, not to them to be not to be exposed uh, to those things. He says in verse 16, if any woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and not let the church be burdened with them so the church can help those widows in need. What's my reflections on this? What's your reflections on these verses? Number one, if God cares for widows, so must we. Christ died on the cross for each one of us to bring us forgiveness, hope, peace, love, to change our hearts. If he's loved us that so much, it's reflective that we need to care for the widows. We need to be after God's heart in that way. Let us do that. Secondly, my reflection is, as I said, it makes me think about how do I take responsibility for our own family? How do I take responsibility? What's my responsibilities? Maybe this is an encouragement for you to keep on looking after your own family. Sometimes that can be a challenging thing to know how to do that. And it's an act of worship. It's a witness to others as we do that. But it's also for us about organizing ourselves to make sure that in our church, we look after our widows well. Uh, this morning at 8 o'clock, we were so blessed uh, to have Louise Bryant come in to share with us what it's like, some of the issues uh, to be faced by a widow. And the great thing about technology is if you go back to the 8 o'clock service, you can see that interview there. But chatting to our pastoral care team this week, I asked, what are some of the issues that our widows face? What can we be mindful of as we value our widows? And when I talk about widows, I'm also very mindful of our widowers amongst us. In fact, this week I'm also reminded too of our single mums, our divorced, uh, our singles. What are some, you know, as we think about these things, but what are some of the issues that women, uh, our widows face? There's overwhelming grief and sadness. There's a deep loneliness. Uh, a, a friend I know remarked that what it was like to wake up every morning when she's used to having her husband there and to open her eyes to see his face on the pillow and he's not there. It's that adjustment to life they have to go through. Louise remarked this morning, even things like just doing the rego papers and stuff like that. And so for us, we have an amazing pastoral care team at the church. I talked to Faye and June and Rosalie and, and uh, so many people in, you know, they said to me, it's uh, so important to keep checking in on people 
when they visit, it's really important to talk about their loved one, name them, but also to say what are the practical things they can do. And being a widow isn't just the immediate, it continues to go on. It's important to reminisce with them. Uh, Human touch is important. When you're so used to having human touch, a hug, and that's not important, appropriate, appropriate human touch. Um, Helping them to know the right time to resume activities. Someone else said, you know, I'm so used to come to church with my partner in the morning, you know, walking, and now I walk in alone, you know. And the encouragement is, that we as a church, as well as our pastoral care team, can be caring for our widows. Um, continue to do that. Remember that some, some widows uh, may not have some people to talk to in everyday life. Having a conversation, loving, investing, giving them all the time they need. I know, I don't know if the picture will come up on the screen, but one of our widows was blessed in the last week or so by a group from our church going and just cleaning up the garden. Uh, making it look beautiful like that. And it's just like, oh, that's awesome. Um, you might be here this morning going, I don't, you know, I've, I'm really appreciative of the care I've got from people in church. You might be going, I feel like I haven't, people haven't been there for me. I haven't been cared for. As, Steve, uh, as Shane's, you know, shared our connect details, let us know. We'd love to know if, if you're in that space, if you'd love some care. Ultimately, we're family. How we relate to each other matters. And if we're in the family, how we as a household relates to each other, it's really up to us, isn't it? We're coming back together. We're family together. Let's look after each other. Let's look after our our widows. Let's invest in each other. How willing are we to do that? Because it matters. It matters and it reflects Christ how we do that. So good to be together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, how we relate to each other matters. Father, you have done amazing work in our hearts and I pray that you would keep doing that. May the outpouring of that be reflected in how we relate to each other as a church and how we relate to each other in everyday life. Father, we've reflected this morning on these verses about widows. Father, you value widows. Father, may we, even this morning, be reminded to be mindful of the widows amongst us, to care for them, to see the ways we can serve and encourage them, to look after them. Father, we pray for peace for our widows, for perseverance for our widows, and may they know your deep love. Father, we thank you for the deep love that you show us through Christ. Enable us, Lord to relate to each other in the love and hope of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.